Acts 29 exists to serve in the goal of planting churches that plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. Planting churches is a mechanism to get us to the goal, which is the glory of God. We plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. This is the Acts 29 Podcast. I'm Tony Morita. Acts 29 is a diverse global family of church planting churches. In this podcast, various pastors, theologians, and innovators will share stories and insights to help you serve Christ's church more faithfully and effectively. On today's podcast, we welcome Mez McConnell. Mez is the senior pastor of Nadri Community Church in Edinburgh, Scotland, and the founder and ministry director of 20 Schemes been involved in full-time pastoral ministry both in church planting and revitalization since 1999. On this podcast we're going to talk about mercy ministry and church planting. Mez, welcome to the podcast. Thanks man, appreciate it. It's so good to uh, finally connect with you man. I've uh, admired your uh, story and your ministry from a distance uh, for a long time and um, I would love for the listeners who are not familiar with you to uh, to hear your story of uh, your conversion, uh, your your journey into ministry, what you're doing now. Uh, could you just uh, share a bit of that with us? Okay, in a minute? <laughs> no, you can you can go longer than a minute. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Take your time. Um, yeah, so uh, the accent, the accent's, uh, so I'm in Scotland as a minister right now. The accent's actually English, but I was born in the Republic of Ireland. So uh, I'm a bit of a mongrel. Um, so yeah, I was um, came from a quite a a, a, a bad background. Um, my um, I didn't know my uh, my family really. My dad was a bit of a mess as as a young lad, bit of a drinker and a womanizer. Um, and my mother, um, I didn't know my mother. She ran away with the best man at, at their wedding, actually, um, which is comedy gold. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic, my grandmother was a prostitute, and I ended up on the streets at two years old um, with my disabled sister, who's a year older than me. And so we grew up in care, generally in uh, Ireland in the 70s, and most of your guys are probably too young to remember, but Ireland in the 70s was a war zone, height of the IRA. So, you know, in big care home in Belfast, or bombs and soldiers on the street, so it was pretty wild. Um, no real Christian input. I was in a, a Catholic home for a while and they used to make us go to church on a Sunday. If you walk to church and behave yourself, you got an ice cream. I never got an ice cream, so I don't know what that says about me. Uh, not really, you know, despite the hot sort of religion or religiosity of Ireland, never really uh, was something I thought about. Um, came to England when I was seven and was ended up in uh, a big care institution in the in the north of England. Um, my dad was in and out of my life sporadically, but he was a very very heavy drinker and a gambling addict. Um, and I had a very very abusive stepmother as well, and so often um, I would just be in and out. I mean, I was in and out of care homes and institutions. I just so many. I, I don't remember how many. Um, so that was that was my early years up to about the age of twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Um, then about. But around that age 12, in fact, I, uh, smoked my sp- I smoked my first joint. I discovered um, beer and uh, drugs. And um, that began a bit of a descent, actually, into um, a, a, a heavy lifestyle. Uh, by about 
13, 14, I was pretty much hanging on the streets in what we call council estates in England, called schemes in Scotland. You call them projects in America. And so I'd be hanging around the streets, you know, doing drugs, stealing, um, fighting, getting into trouble. Um, I think probably the biggest thing that happened to me about that 13, 14 was one of my best friends was stabbed to death. Uh, in a, in a, actually by my ex-girlfriend at the time. And um, I remember sitting with him having a cigarette and a smoke. And then an hour later, he's dead. He just bled to death in the car on the way to the hospital. I remember thinking at the time, whoa, we were all a bit freaked out. We were like, whoa, man, where's he gone? Life and death, you know, the usual. But we didn't believe in God. That was for stiffs and posh people. It wasn't for, for dudes like us. Um, in fact, I didn't like church so much. I remember the day of his funeral, I stood outside the church while they buried him. <clears throat> and I thought it was just a complete joke and a waste of time. Anyway, from that moment on, actually, my life descended really badly. I ended up on the streets pretty much full time at 15, 16. What you call crack den. I was dealing drugs and selling drugs and getting into a lot of serious trouble. But my head was a mess. And then um, about 18 years old, decided I'm going to change my life. And so the best way to change your life, as we all know, is to uh, have money. The best way to have money is to rob a bank. So that's what I did. And acquired some funds from a bank and flew to Spain on a passport uh, to start this new life, which lasted about a week before I blew it all on drugs. Um, ultimately, long story short, was deported from Spain for trafficking offences. Uh, ended up homeless on the streets in the south of England, which is when I first went into Christians for the first time. And I heard the gospel message, uh, which is basically repent, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. I wasn't taken too kindly to that message. So the first time I met Christians, actually, I was arrested and uh, for various offences. Uh, and um, I was very, very angry with these sort of posh, middle-class do-gooders coming in, telling me how bad I was and how I should be more like them. Uh, that went on for a while, uh, and then just about a few years later, they'd I, 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 come sporadically on the streets when I was a lad. About a few years later, I was arrested for a uh, serious offence, stabbing a couple of guys, and um, ended up in maximum security jail. These guys um, came to visit me in jail, um, and I was quite touched by that. I found this Christian book in jail, which was nuts. It was a book about angels visiting a dude in his cell when he was off the chart, uh, I think. And I wasn't overly convinced by what I was reading. I got When I got out of jail, though, I'd because I'd, I'd been homeless for about six years, I didn't, I couldn't, and my fences were violent, I needed an address. And so one of these Christian guys gave me an address. He said, look, I, you can come and stay with me. And I'm like, yes, baby, I'll take that because I, I want to get out of jail, right? And so I took that, I moved into this guy's house, and I watched him with his freaky Christian friends, um, and seemed a world away from my lifestyle. Inside, though, my head was battered. I was thinking, oh, I need to get away from this life, and what's life all about, etc., etc. So I went to church for the first time. I was 22, just out of Mac Secure. And, uh, you know, people... I don't know. I think they were reading out of the AV. It's not a comment on the AV, but they were reading out of old English language. It was stand up, sit down. I just didn't even know what was going on. Guy spoke for about an hour. 
my head was pagged. And so, um, no clue. I was there thinking, what the heck was that about? How do you do to put one out every week? I would do my napper in. So, uh, I, not interested. But I was interested in Jesus at this point, right? So I thought, Jesus is a bit of a lad. And what I mean by that was, you know, the authorities hated him. He was a bit of a, a wind-up merchant. I don't mean that heretically. But, you know, he got up people's noses. And I thought, oh, I quite like that. So I found something called a Matthew Henry commentary on the Bible in this dude's house. So I thought, you know what? I'll have a crack at that bad boy. So I was converted reading the Book of Romans in the Matthew Henry commentary of the Bible. And uh, I was reading this. I mean, I'd been brought up with social workers, psychologists, all telling me I was a product of my environment. If I'd have come from a good home, I'd be a good boy. And I'm confronted with Paul in Romans going, actually, you're a, you're a scuzz bucket who needs to take responsibility uh, for your sins. I'm obviously transliterating there. But um, that was a big smash in the face, right? Because mm. I was a victim. And I wanted to blame the world and everything for my terrible life and how I made these choices so i came to a point of uh uh just uh being weighed down by sin really i was sat on my own on a park bench 3rd of may 1995 and um i just confessed my sins very quietly sat on a bench asked the lord to help me said i'm going to stop taking the drugs and i didn't look back really so i never went so i i, I, I went cold turkey for two weeks i went blind for a part of that I mean I was not messing about um, I was serious about this gig and slowly but surely guys discipled me it's a church that was very very conservative still is I love that church I love those people they took me in I mean I must have been a complete absolute nightmare for them <laughs> looking back right but um, they loved me and uh, not long after that, I ended up in Bible college, which is another story, accidentally, but in the providence of God. Uh, and then um, met my wife along the way, had my babies, my two girls, Kezia and Lydia. Um, uh, we then went to Brazil about a decade or so ago. We planted a church there with street gangs uh, in a city called San Luis, and then about that was about 13 years ago. And about 10 years ago, I came back to Scotland to work and take the gospel back to the schemes, we call them, the projects, we call them. And I've been here ever since. Mm. 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 I was listening to your uh, testimony the other day in my house. I was watching a video and uh, uh, I was I was tearing up and my, my wife said, who is that? And uh, I said, that's Mez. We're, we're going to interview him soon. And uh, I was sharing with her part of your story, and it's it's so powerful for so many reasons. I mean, obviously, just the power of the gospel breaking through into darkness, transforming uh, your life and cycles of history uh, in your family. Um, I, I watched where you baptized one of your daughters. Yeah, and, baby, uh, come on. Just, That's uh, cool, right? That was awesome. And then we, uh, my wife and I, have uh, five adopted children uh, we have uh, four from Ukraine. Uh, our son mm. spent nine years basically in a in a facility, and um, we've seen some of those conditions. Um, and uh, it gives us hope as we raise our kids. Um, and uh, my wife spent a good bit of time also doing prison ministry, and uh, we value hospitality. So all those threads, all those uh, aspects of ministry. Um, I'm really interested about how uh, the Christian community took you in, things you've learned, kind of the value of hospitality, uh, uh, reaching out to the broken, um, uh, inviting people into your life. 
advice you would give to Christians on the, the really the, the practical usefulness blessing of uh, practicing Christian hospitality? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good question. I was asking that one before, but I th- do you know? Er, er, look, I've been a, I've been in ministry now eighteen years, so I've saved almost twenty. And looking back, for me, er, even everything I do now, how I live my life now, how I'm a dad, how I'm a husband how I'm a pastor, how my house is open to all sorts of nut jobs, that everything I do, I've learned. It's been shown me, right? Or I've picked it up by watching other Christians, which just goes to show, uh, knowingly and unknowingly by them, right? It's, it's not like they said, watch us do this. I just watched and I didn't know how to be a Christian. I didn't know anything about being a dad. I mean, I can, yeah, I can, tell, you be a, I can tell you about being a drunk, right? You know, or an idiot. And so all of these, all of these things were really important for me in my early years. People who opened up their homes to me taught me the importance that, of holding loosely onto worldly things. And these things are just temporary that we've got, right? Just to share stuff. Guys who I watch be dads and be good husbands, model it for me. I could ask them questions. Um, they didn't think I was dumb because I didn't know the answers to these things. Um, uh, really benefited from old Old, really older Christians, and I mean older guys in their 60s, 70s, 80s, early doors. I love those dudes just sitting uh, and listening to them and hearing them talk about the battle of the Christian faith. Um, as much as hanging around with dudes my own age, right at the time in my early 20s. So, yeah, I mean, I'm giving you yeah. any specific answers, but so basically, you saw of, how the gospel was lived out. Uh, oh yeah, through through the Christian community, yeah. how it was applied, what it looked like to raise kids. Spend yeah. money, work through conflict, all of those yeah. applications. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, can you talk about uh, church planting and mercy ministry? Because I, I don't think that's on a lot of people's radar. It's church planting as a means of, you know, caring you, for the broken, want, building them up, and so on. Do you want me to be nice or controversial? Now go ahead and be provocative. That's fine. Okay. So I think pretty much every single mercy ministry in evangelical churches should be shut down. Hmm. Largely a big fat waste of space, effort, time, and energy with very little fruit. That's that's the nice version. <laughs> All right. Well, what about church planting? Like, how does church planting solve some of these issues? The greatest mercy ministry you can engage in is go and plant a church in a poor community. Hmm. Live there, breathe there, die there. Bring people into your life, your home. Hmm. Not just see them once a week on a Thursday and hand them out a blanket and a cup of soup, hmm. but actually engage in all of their life for the whole of their life mm. and that's that's far more costly um uh far more time consuming and uh <laughs> trust me very difficult and very messy but ultimately i think um you know we 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 don't hand out any soups or rolls or do anything in in our church and yet we're seeing more people saved in this community than at any time in the last 30 years mm. And so people have got to ask themselves, why is that? Mm. You know, w- what's going on there? Um, no, it's not that we don't help people. We do help people. We house people. We have discipleship homes. We, they're, they're in our home. But I think there needs to be a whole rethinking of mercy ministry. And you should have asked me that question in the beginning. And we should have a debate on a podcast. That would be a great debate. How, how has your background kind of shaped your ministry in terms of uh, your heart for uh, uh, the broken um, tell us a little bit about 20 Schemes and uh, just yeah. just uh, the vision and what's happening now. Okay. Yeah. Um, 20, yeah, so 20, basically when I came back to, 
to Scotland. My heart was this, basically. There is very, very little gospel ministry going on in council estates, housing schemes, projects in the UK. And a huge proportion, millions of our people in our country live in these places. And church planting is very sexy right now. You know the drill, right? You're 829. Well, um, you know... Church planting is very sexy. I can't speak for the States. I can speak for the UK and, and bits of Europe, but usually it's university, city centres, business areas, um, three to five year business model, you know, becoming fully financially dependent, all that, blah, blah, blah. Um, and um, that is just not going to crack it in housing estates. And so we're not seen as financially viable or even viable very, very difficult places, very little money, etc. Um, when the, the culture, the culture shapers don't live in schemes, you know, the, the, the whole sort of um, thought process that we need to go for the, uh, the culture shakers. And so for me, 20 schemes is, uh, was born out of a desperate need we have to, to plant and revitalize gospel churches in Scotland's poorest communities. And so a scheme can be anywhere from 2,000 people to 20,000 people. Just to give you an idea, Glasgow on its own has 97 schemes. Uh, and uh, historically, 50 years ago, they would have had, to some degree, th uh, thriving, we would call them mission halls, old brethren-type churches. Uh, but now most of them are dying out, isolated, uh, on the fringes. Cultures pass them by. And so our aim in the next 10 years is to revitalize or to plant 20 gospel centered churches in 20 schemes across the country. It's also to train and equip men and women from my backgrounds who, who are just not going to make it to seminary. The, the, the price is exorbitant. Most of them haven't finished high school, but God's saving them and equipping them for ministry. So it's to produce leaders, contextualized for our culture and to produce resources like books, you know, Church in Hard Places, we've got other books coming out. In just in an in an effort to stimulate gospel growth uh, among our people and in our communities. It's a wonderfully inspiring vision, man. Um, as you know, A29 is a global family. It's we've got church planters all over the world. We were just yeah. doing a conference. We're A two nine, baby. Yeah. yeah, baby. Uh we we were in Kenya recently. Uh, we did an event in Ukraine not long ago. Um, a lot of these guys from really tough, tough places. So yeah. uh, Church in Hard Places is interesting. Why don't you tell us about that and other resources uh, that are coming out of training yeah. schemes? Um, so Church in Hard Places is a book I wrote with uh, Mike McKinley, Nine Marks, which is basically uh, what it says on the tin, really. How do we grow and develop churches in communities where there are little resources, difficult people, um, uh, not tertiary educated, and um, what are some concrete steps we can do to, uh, to, to move things forward. In fact, we're actually in discussions with A29. I, I was chatting yesterday with the, with the governor, um, <laughs> Steve Blatt, um, about launching a Church in Hard Places collaborative where we're going to try and work out as A29 how do we better help, equip and guide guys from poor communities in um, being able to, uh, let me put it another way, so A29 is a bit inaccessible for guys from lots of these communities, everything from the 
application process, the conferences, everything. And I'm saying, Church and Hard Places is now saying, with, with Acts 29, how do we make it more accessible? How do we uh, make training more accessible? How do we make resources more accessible? So I'm quite excited about that going forward in the future. Hoping to, we're hoping to launch a pilot project in the next 12 months. That's fantastic. With that, sponsoring some guys from poor communities. And then we've got other communities. So lots of materials that I read, they're very solid theological books, material, but not very contextualized. So even things that we have, have you heard of like Christianity Explored and stuff like mm -hmm. that? Yeah. Which is good stuff, right? If you're a middle-class educated dude who likes to mm -hmm. sip a latte and <laughs> chat philosophy. But if you're a geezer from the streets, right? It's a bit, even even the illustrations are out there. I'm not, I'm not dissing uh, Christianity Explored. It's a good resource. Mm -hmm. And so we're writing uh, books like Evangelism 101 and Early Steps Discipleship series um, uh, written from the worldview of people from council estates. So our first book on, like, like on, on, on God is he out there is all based on the experiences of a 30 year old guy who's a heroin addict coming off heroin. He thinks he believes in God. His head's a bit mashed. He's got all these questions and the book is just walking him through apologetically the issues he faces as a guy. You know, fighting his family, his girlfriend, he's got a couple of kids, but he's not married. And what does it mean? You know, not the sort of things you find in traditional mm -hmm. evangelical literature. It's so. not all uh, C.S. Lewis, Lord of the Rings, Downton Abbey. Cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so we're just, and, that, um, and now we've got contacts. So we've got contacts in Kenya and Australia and in the hood in the States. And so these guys are going to. Uh, write um, each of them are going to write one little booklet to help us and so you'll get a, a nice international contextualized flavor hmm. so yeah. we're just trying it man it might be an absolute disaster but i love it i love it man we're trying we're so, trying our thing uh website uh where listeners can keep up with you uh twitter social um, media anything yeah www.20schemes.com we write a lot of articles there there's a lot of good articles there we'll say this you haven't asked me the question but we train a lot of women for ministry we are a complementarian ministry quite obviously i think currently we're training about 13 or 14 women full-time for ministry and you'll see a lot of articles about that and how we do that and all sorts of other things. How do you tr how do you disciple drug addicts? How do you disciple people with mental health problems? But, you know, all the things that we run into. Um, 20schemes.com. We've got 20 Schemes is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff, right? Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Cool. Excellent, man. Thanks so much for taking time to be with us. Uh, listeners, you want to check out those resources? Thank you so much for your time, brother. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Acts 29 podcast. For more information on Acts 29, visit acts29.com.